Building a Better Story World is back once more, everybody. It's your host, Steelful Effect, here once again to give you tips based on my experience crafting narrative universes for Microsoft, Nickelodeon, Showtime, and so many others. You don't have to be a major producer to take part in this show. Some of you just want to analyze pop culture a bit better. Regardless of whether or not you're here to take part in the prompts or build imaginative worlds of your own, welcome. We're diving back into our current miniseries, The Vowels of Fan Engagement. On our last Sojourn, we discussed A for Ask, detailing how you can ask questions to make people comfortable or uncomfortable, and in so doing, engaging them in your story world. Are the new arrivals, new money, new ideas, saving the city or cannibalizing it? Who will live in the Pittsburgh of the future? And will there be room for the people who stayed true, stuck with it their whole lives? Our last prompt from that episode was all about how you ask your audience to participate. We're going to keep going in that direction today as we dive headfirst into the second vowel, E for express. From the very beginning of this podcast, I've asked that you be specific with your story worlds. It's so much more interesting when you have something that's explicitly yours and for a niche audience rather than trying to be for everybody. There are any number of television series that are about battle royales, but only some of them critique capitalism, and fewer still do so with a macabre sci-fi light aesthetic. Your specific voice, how you express your imagination, is key to that, but when it comes to fan engagement, you need to go further. When you express your imagination while creating a story world, you're going to want to create touch points for fans so that they feel like you're not just spoon-feeding them what they want, but welcoming them in, especially if they disagree or are not used to your voice. This may seem contradictory to my advice about making content that is aspirational, but in fact, it speaks to the agency of your fan. If your fans feel like they have no agency in your world, that they are being shuffled from plot point to plot point with no room for imagination, there will be nowhere for them to play. Your world can be dark or light, complex or simple, serious or silly, so long as there's some way for fans to hear what you're expressing and express back to you what they're thinking about that. This is a critical bit in modern media design. Broadcast media limited ways in which fans could interact. Producers and executives didn't want people meddling with their stories or profits. Modern platforms recognize that one of the main reasons that people engage with them is the capability of talking back. 21st century creators speak with audiences. John Hamm is a soft boy with a dad bod. Hashtag truth. As we go through today's prompts, I want everybody to remember two things about your work and how it affects fans. One, I still do recommend you be aspirational. Negativity does have its points, not the least of which is cathartically yelling into the void. Mike, what did you think of Ghostbusters 2016? Well, you guys are going to hate me again, but I loved it. No, I'm just with you. It was the biggest piece of I have ever seen. <laughs> but if all you do is critique, there's no celebration. And if there's no celebration, there's no reason for fans to feel welcome in your world. Two, I recommend you be authentic. If you really are a dour dude or dudette, then your darkness will at least make your opinion real. There is quite a lot of power to that. If you're being manipulative, either because you're overly bright or doom and gloom, fans will inevitably notice. Worse still, you'll be trying too hard to maintain that illusion. Having a persona is a good thing so that you can separate your professional and personal lives, but it will all come crashing down if you try to overact. Ever since the start of the Ellen DeGeneres show in September of 2003, Ellen herself has become one of the most talked about hosts in talk show history. 
Over the past few years, however, rumors have started to surface about Ellen and how she really treats those around her. More recently, even her show has been said to have a dark underbelly. This holds true even if you're creating a fictional world. You're going to be positioning yourself as a creator, which will inform your work, its relationship with fans, and how it affects the broader world in general. Like you'd especially think that rich and famous people like J.K. Rowling would be above staying up alone at night reading mean things people say online. But you'd think wrong. Don't believe me? Let's take one example of a popular science fiction franchise of yesteryear. It found success as a series of novels, but it started out as a radio series before transitioning to television, video games, and even a modestly successful feature film in 2005. Douglas Adams concocted The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy in the late 70s as a science fiction comedy adventure. The plot, which followed the adventures of human Arthur Dent and other worldly allies as they traversed the universe, was weird from the get-go, but that endeared it to a legion of fans. Adams's unique brand of humor prevented things from getting too serious, while his knowledge of science and science fiction tropes allowed him to lovingly satirize that content without being reductive or mean-spirited. You can thank the Sirius Cybernetics Corporation for building robots with GPP. What's GPP? Genuine people personalities. I'm a personality prototype. You can tell, can't you? That's not to say that Hitchhiker's Guide was bright and cheerful. The series opens with the destruction of Earth. There's no point acting all surprised about it. The plans and demolition orders have been on display at a local planning office in Alpha Centauri for 50 of Earth years. There is a lot of darkness from poetry so bad that it can kill. Folk on poetry is, of course, the third worst in the universe. The second worst is that of the Asgoths of Crea. During a recitation by their poet master Granthus the Flatulent of his poem, Ode to a Small Lump of Green Putty I Found in My Armpit One Midsummer Morning, four of his audience died of internal hemorrhaging. To sardonic commentary on divinity. Now, it's such a bizarrely improbable thing that anything so mind-bogglingly useful could have evolved in the universe purely by chance, but many thinkers have chosen to see this as a final clinching proof of the non-existence of God. To morose robots with a depressed outlook on everything. I'll tell you what they gave me to protect myself with, shall I? That's all right. Nothing. What? Nothing at all. Not an electronic sausage. Whoa. Doesn't that just take the biscuit? And me with this terrible pain in all the diodes down my left side. Yeah. Oh, that makes me angry. But somehow, there's still a little bit of optimism in the series. The humor helps, of course, but more than that, there's a sense of wonder and whimsy about everything, even in its darkest moments. This is what it means to be aspirational, and for multiple audiences even. The average reader is looking for the next laugh. The superfan is looking to see what target Adams is setting his sights on next. And the comedian is trying to understand the structure of the humor. The answer to the great question yes. of life, the universe, and everything yes. is, yes. is yes. 42. For you story world designers out there, look to how Adams effortlessly mixes world building with gags, future callbacks, and plot in this monologue adapted from the original series. It's an important and popular fact that things are not always what they seem. For instance, on the planet Earth, 
Man had always assumed that he was the most intelligent species occupying the planet, instead of the third most intelligent. The second most intelligent creatures were, of course, dolphins, who, curiously enough, had long known of the impending destruction of the planet Earth. They had made many attempts to alert mankind to the danger, but most of their communications were misinterpreted as amusing attempts to punch footballs or whistle for tidbits. So they eventually decided they would leave Earth by their own means. We get a thematic statement. Not everything is as it seems. A bit of humor. Humans are only the third smartest creature on the planet, and the second, dolphins, have been trying to communicate with us with what we thought were SeaWorld-style antics. We also learn a plot point, that the Earth is going to be destroyed. Not potentially, but will be. And finally, there is the question. If humanity is the third most intelligent species on Earth, and dolphins are number two, then what is number one? We don't know yet because the dolphins are leaving, with one final message. The last ever dolphin message was misinterpreted as a surprisingly sophisticated attempt to do a double backward somersault through a hoop while whistling the star-spangled banner. But in fact, the message was this. So long, and thanks for all the fish. That one paragraph showcases just how seriously Adams took his world. He wanted to express humor, grandiose storytelling, satire, parody, world-building, and more, all in slim entries. Seriously, you can read the entire Hitchhiker's Guide series of novels in a weekend. His humor might not have been serious. Space, says the introduction to the Hitchhiker's Guide, is big. Really big. You just won't believe how vastly, hugely, mind-bogglingly big it is. Uh, and so on. But his commitment to his story was. Not everybody is that serious, of course. You may be a comedian who is into the goofy embrace of the weirdness of childhood. Well, good morning. How do you do? Lots of surprises are just waiting for you. On your market ready, get set. Now go, 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 because it's time for the Pee Wee Herman Show! Or an actor who works on their craft only so far as a role warrants it. For instance, we were doing the scene where it was right after we got out of the trash compactor. We hadn't filmed that scene yet. And I'm looking in continuity and I said, well, wait a second, this is right after we got out of the trash compactor. Shouldn't my hair be all wet and matted with schmutz all through it? And he turns to me and says, hey, kid, it ain't that kind of movie. <laughs> Alternately, you may be a serious filmmaker who's using the trappings of a horror film about the birth of the Antichrist to make a statement about how women's voices are ignored even as they are assaulted, leading them to identify with their attackers as a coping mechanism to survive in a world of fear. What have you done to him, you maniac? Satan is his father, not Guy. He came up from hell and begat a son of mortal woman. Hail Satan! Hail Satan! Satan is his father, and his name is Adrian. He shall overthrow the mighty and lay waste their temples. He shall redeem the despised and wreak vengeance in the name of the burned and the tortured. Hail Adrian! Hail, Hail Satan! Hail Satan! The point is that you don't have to be serious to be serious, and you don't have to be a joker to understand a joke. Your expressions need to come from a place of authenticity to attract the right kind of audience, which we will get into in just a second. For now, we're going to be launching into our first prompt. If you're following along, I want you to get out a piece of paper and make a ray graph. Draw one line straight up and mark it with 10 slashes, labeling each from 1, near the base, to 10 at the top. Label this line seriousness. At that line's base, draw out another line. Similarly, mark it with 10 slashes, each labeled 1 to 10. Mark this line serious in quotes, or to be more clear, humor. 
put a zero at the base where both lines meet, so that you have a graph where you can chart something based on both the seriousness with which creators treat a work, and the level of humor or levity they imbue into it. Then I want you to choose six works that are similar to your story world. Plot them out on this graph and see where there are patterns. Are they mostly serious? Mostly humorous? A little bit of both? Do some congregate in one area? Are there outliers? Try to do a little digging, maybe jotting down some notes, before getting to the biggin. I want you to think really hard. Where do you and your work intersect on this graph? How much seriousness are you bringing to your work? How serious is your work? There is no right or wrong answer, though I would recommend not getting too serious and stuffy, like a 10 on 10 on both sides of the scale, or too silly and lacking in seriousness, one and one or below. You want people to treat your work with respect, and you want to bring a little bit of rigor to it to make sure that the universe feels real. Finally, and this is the most important part, I want you to do research and find out how to contact some of those creators whose works are similar to yours. I want you to write them an email, a LinkedIn message, a tweet, even a letter. Whatever. The point is to try and get into contact with them and get their insight, or even better, see if they will engage in some cross-promotion with you. Yes, that can be a little ham-handed and crass, but remember, but remember the ask from last week? Be just a little pushy. Not too much, of course, and be polite, but you want to reach audiences. You want to find out how that happened before. Your work is, hopefully, going to speak to that creator's audience, too. Be a little brave. This series is about engagement, remember. Cross-promotion is just that, and if you're thinking about their work and yours, you'll have a great introduction. I know that was a bit of a long prompt, so I apologize. We have only two this episode, and I want to make sure you're thinking about your expressions and how you can, thus, get them to engage with creators and fans. Take a bit to finish this up, if you're following along, and then let's continue. You've detailed or thought about expression as an abstract concept, but now we're going to get into the concrete. Every piece of work has some hard themes, motifs, gags, or elements that are specific to its world. If it's Transformers, it's robots that turn into cars and trucks. Autobots, roll out! We roll! If it's Downton Abbey, it's spoiled aristocrats wearing sensational outfits and engaging in biting gossip. I'm so looking forward to seeing your mother again. When I'm with her, I'm reminded of the virtues of the English. But isn't she American? Exactly. With some exceptions, mostly material for children, you don't want all of this to be sunshine and lollipops. You want a few hard or controversial takes. You'll want a figure like Magneto, a freedom fighter to some, but a terrorist to others. Humanity has always feared that which is different. Well, I'm here to tell you, to tell the world, you're right to fear us. We are the future. We are the ones who will inherit this earth. And anyone who stands in our way will suffer the same fate as these men you see before you. Or perhaps you'll want a thief with a heart of, well, not gold, but maybe pyrite. You are without doubt the worst pirate I've ever heard of. But you have heard of me. We've talked about flaws in characters before, but there are also flaws in your world. Not everything is hunky-dory. There are some things that unfortunately mirror our own just a little bit too closely. Maybe your world is filled with narcissism, classism, racism, nepotism, and a blind eye to all of those things. But no, because we're just all living in Hannah's world, and it's all Hannah, Hannah, Hannah all the time, and it... When did you eat jerky? That is not any concern of yours. When not overdone, these things can be spellbinding. Yes, once again, try to be aspirational. But if you're too aspirational, if everything is too perfect, then it won't mirror our own world enough, and people will reject it. Did you know that the first Matrix 
was designed to be a perfect human world where none suffered, where everyone would be happy. It was a disaster. No one would accept the program. Entire crops were lost. To Douglas Adams, one of the greatest flaws of our world is faith. A self-described radical atheist, he peppered his work with commentary that demeaned religious figures in general. We ask this and all things in thy precious and alliterative name. Bless you. And God, specifically. The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy explains that only at the foot of the Quintilus Quasgar Mountains is God's last message to his creation clearly visible, written in blazing letters along their barren ridge. There's a little observation point with a rail built along the top of a large rock facing it, from where you can get a good view. We apologize for the inconvenience. I think... I think I feel good about that. Let's not go that far. In a world that is filled with faith, that's not always an easy stance to take. People have been murdered for speaking out against religion and religious figures. I don't think Adams thought of himself as a potential martyr. He was a storyteller and a satirist, first and foremost. But he refused to quiet a code that ran counter to much of the world's sensibilities. You will assuredly have a hardline stance or two that you refuse to back away from. To you, these will be common sense. But to the world, they'll be a bit more controversial. That's a good thing. Having principles is both hard and important in a world that so often seems to lack them. More importantly, they make your story world something of which you're proud, not just in a story sense, but in a thematic sense. You may refuse to show violence against a group that you feel is unduly targeted media. You may be the opposite of Adams, a person of faith in other words, and stick to story world rules that fit your view of the spiritual. You may feel certain social mores are dubious at best. Uh-uh, I don't tip. You don't tip? No, I don't believe in it. Or you may imbue your work with certain proclivities that are unique to you. I ain't saying it's right, but you're saying a foot massage don't mean nothing. I'm saying it does. And look, I've given a million ladies a million foot massages, and they all meant something. We act like they don't, but they do. The artist crafts their perfect world, but none of our worlds are perfect. We must show imperfection and idealism in equal proportion. Without the first, audiences will reject our story worlds. And without the latter, we may never wish to journey to our own realms of imagination. What are those hardline stances? No, seriously, let's write a few out. For your second prompt of the episode, I want you to list three controversial stances that you believe in wholeheartedly. Now, when I say controversial, I don't necessarily mean that they should be something that people will die over. Just things that many people won't agree with you on. These should be fairly broad because I want you to imbue them or their attributes into your story world. That is, for each controversial stance, I want you to write a paragraph about how it affects your story world in general. Two provisos. You don't want too many of these, or else you don't want them to be central to every conflict or situation. If all of your work is controversy, you'll likely come across as preachy. You also want to be careful about how you put them into your story world. If they're normalized, you run the risk of making a statement that these bad things are good, or vice versa. Take Adams, for example. His work is science fiction, but heavy on the fiction and heavier on the comedy. While assuredly a lover of science, he kept that in the subtext. Ditto his anti-theism. It's clear to anybody who reads his work that this is not a man who believes in a great gig in the sky, but it's not forced down anyone's throats. He makes his statements in a way that it is clear to audiences without alienating them either. Once you've written these bits down, and similarly to the graphs above, I want you to write down several fan bases that would appreciate your stances or opinions. I wouldn't go all fan servicey or virtue signally, but getting out in front of people who don't always see their sensibilities on screen or in books or in the funny papers will make sure you're expressing to the right people. Ask yourself some questions. What podcasts do these people listen to? What forums do they frequent? 
Where do they congregate? And finally, how can I approach them appropriately? Do your due diligence and try to find creators who speak on those platforms to those people. Your expressions won't matter if you don't find like-minded people out in the world. Your expressions, both in substance and in style, are the bridge to your audiences. Don't hide them. Get out there. Take some chances. Make sure to get a half dozen places where you can approach people to take part before you stop this prompt. Stop you must, however, because we're at the end of the episode. With those two longish prompts, you'll have expanded the ways in which you express your voice, with actionable methods to reach out to creators and audiences alike so that they may hear you. In the next episode, we'll be incentivizing those people as well. Until then, thanks for tuning in. You can find more content at babsw.buzzsprout.com or on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Podcasts, or any fine podcatcher. Don't forget to subscribe or reach out to me at Words of Steel or Building a BSW on Twitter. I hope to hear from you soon. Building a Better Story World is written, produced, recorded, and sound engineered by Steel Tyler Filipek. The theme song, Asia, is by Ilya Marfin via icons8.com. All narrative clips are used under the Fair Use Doctrine, as defined by Title 17 of the United States Code, subsection 107, in that they are used for nonprofit educational work for the purpose of analysis, have been transformed from their initial records by audio engineering for podcasting, and are not substantive of the entire work or function as a direct market substitute. Audio effects are provided by freesound.org under the Creative Commons license. If you feel that this production has unfairly used a piece of audio to which you own the rights, please contact helmstarmedia at gmail.com.